Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Surreyor Global Fantasy Football Podcast. This week, myself, Hybe, and You'll Never Walk Alone are delighted to be joined by the president of the German Startup Association and eVentures partner, Christian Miley, to discuss his background and work as a VC partner, investing in Surreyor. We'll take a look ahead to game week 152 and we'll also discuss the big news this week, that Ronaldo record sale. So it's great to have you on the pod, Christian. Welcome. Thrilled to be with you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Christian. This is uh, yeah, wonderful surprise. Uh, someone that uh, has no doubt had the longest uh, track record with uh, Nicholas, Adrian, and the team there. So uh, maybe yeah, you can kickstart off by telling us exactly when that journey started and, and how it's evolved. Yeah, happy to do so. So so again, thank you very much for having me and 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 appreciate that you're bringing me into this great podcast. And I have of course been following you guys on Twitter already for a long time. So uh, finally meeting you is a great feeling. Um, so with regards to Sorare, um, eVentures is a venture capital fund, as, as you can assume, and we have been following the crypto sector for, for many, many years and trying to build hypotheses around um, everything that's happening in, in the decentralized world. Over time, we, we just figured out what we believe is working and what we believe is maybe not working. And Sorare clearly was one of the very first projects and startups that we've seen where uh, a lot of the good and great things that we like are, are coming together. Like first and foremost, obviously like a, a fantastic and amazing team with Nicolas and Adrien, um, just like with, with the right background in, in, in blockchain technologies and, and understanding the, the game dynamics of, of a, you know, company like SoRare. And then at the same time, obviously like the, 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 the blockchain elements plus the fantasy football elements as a greenfield intrigued us. And when, when we met Nicola for the first time, which was, I think in December, 2019, uh, when, when he has just recently, you know, started working on, on, on the product and the beta was out, um, we were uh, looking into the, into the company and, and, and following Nicola's ideas saw that some initial traction is picking up. And I think the, the major difference that we have seen to so many other NFT projects out there is that uh, as opposed to, to NBA top shots in the, uh, in the US, for example, like we, we saw a clear utility in the cards that you could buy on, on the Sorare platform and use these cards in weekly tournaments and engage with the community and engage within the games and collect points. And that was, that was something that we felt like is potentially for the first time in human history that uh, a blockchain company is uh, holding a certain utility to the to the assets that it it, it produces and uh, could become the first mainstream adoption of a technology like that. And this is you know this this was dr- driving our our investment decision. And I mean it's it's funny because like when <laughs> when Nicolas and Adrien presented Sorare in our partnership back in the days, like, this was r- literally the week where the German government has decided to to go into the first lockdown. So. All the soccer matches have been cancelled, and we we were like, okay, like, what w- what does this mean for for Sorare? But uh, yeah, I'm, the rest is history, and I'm really glad that we ended up investing. Excellent. So, in terms of, you know, as you said, they're just before the lockdown. Did that have any influence at all on, or any he- potential hesitation or delay in 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 perhaps stepping forward, or was it, you know, no, you'd seen enough by that point to say, okay, well, football's coming back, whether it's three months, six months away, you just proceeded as normal. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously talked about this with with Nicola and and ask him how how he sees influencing the leagues and and by influencing the leagues influencing the matches and by influencing the matches obviously influencing the game and you know make making it a lot harder for the community to play the game um but he had very compelling answers in, in our opinion and and I think that throughout the entire pandemic we we have seen that Sorare 
uh, kept growing and, and, and it was the right decision to believe Nicola that his strategy and, and, and his ideas on, on how to circumvent the, the lockdown and the, the, the soccer matches that had been cancelled was exactly the right thing to do. And, and we just believed him and, and he was very thoughtful and, um, and, and honest about his, his, his perspectives on, on, on this very, very unique situation. And this even gave us more comfort to, to believe in him and Adrien that this is the right team to work with. So um, yeah, it, I mean, of course we, we hesitated and, and, and asked ourselves if this is going to impact the, the game, um, but we, we had enough conviction on the team and the sector and, and the overall market that we, we just you know kept pushing through. That's really interesting. And I, I noticed on the eVentures site, you have a, a tagline there that limits are just a state of mind and we invest in founders disrupting global markets. And that really sounds like what, what Sarera are doing and what you've just de- described there. So it seems like it's been a, a perfect match in terms of what eVentures are looking to get involved with and, and what Sarera are doing. I agree. I mean, with, with 4 billion football fans around the world, Sorare is clearly a product that is not only made for people in France, where the company is headquartered, but it's, but it's something that is appealing to billions of fans uh, around the globe. And, and, and obviously not only fans, but also investors and collectors. And um, at the same time, I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think the, the utility that the card holds is, is, is new. I mean, that's just simply for the first time in human history, something in, in a very, very large market that is simply working and simply picking up. So this is the state of mind and the limits that we were actually thinking about and when, when we made the investment. So fast forwarding, what's it now? Almost a couple of years since that, uh, since you wrote that first check. Uh, what have been the you know exciting milestones along the way? And uh, has this gone on to exceed your expectations as a, an early seed investor? Yeah, where, where does this fit into other uh, ventures that uh, you've also participated in yeah yeah happy to 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 elaborate on that so first of all i have to admit that um, so there were investors before us right i mean seed camp uh, actually was invested be, before us and and i think that um we we have to give credits to to a couple of business angels who also believed in the company very early on but uh it's right that we've been the first outside institutional real big check that has been investing in Surreal and the milestones that we have seen. I think uh, what Nicola at the point of time when, when we invested was at this inflection point of hitting his product market fit and, and was very much still focused on onboarding leagues and onboarding clubs and uh, getting into individual agreements with, with, with certain actors of, the, of, of, of this industry and at the same time tr- still trying to build the product and bringing on board great talent to, to help him support his, his vision and to help him execute on his roadmap. And literally like every month we felt like every month where the company kept growing was a good month. And then, um, I mean, we, we, we have had some, some, some hiccups on the, on the way, of course. I mean, I think it was September when, when the gas prices suddenly uh, increased big time because of the uh, entire decentralized finance hype, um, which, which actually had an influence on, on the unit economics of Sorare too. But it, it just kept growing and, and Nicola just kept executing. And I think with regards to your question in, in, in terms of the expectations that we had, 
and, and maybe the view that, that we have on a company, I have never seen a consumer business or a business in general that has been growing so fast. I mean, you, you, you have to keep in mind that the Sorare is literally not spending any marketing on, on the current growth. And with people like yourselves being an integral part of the community and, 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 and playing the game and, and being ambassadors and advertising and being evangelists for the game, it's just creating so much noise and interest in the game itself that it just keeps growing at a pace that has very, very rarely happened before, I guess. I mean, SoRare is probably one of the hottest consumer deals on earth right now, and it is probably the hottest consumer deal in, in Europe at the moment. What's really interesting, and, and uh, I mean, it's it's not only the primary market with more and more leagues and more and more clubs coming on the platform, which is, seems to be coming easier and uh, creating some sort of an escape velocity here, but also the secondary market. And you guys also refer to the unique Cristiano Ronaldo the card that was sold for north of $200,000 on the secondary market. I mean, this is just crazy if you think about it. And it's great to see that the liquidity uh, is is picking up on, on the secondary market too. And, and it seems as if players are really starting to, to deal with each other and do these P2P transactions. And I think that's something... Which, which I find fascinating because uh, the, these, these marketplace dynamics are very, very powerful. And, and if you think about it in the long run, this, this could just become even more relevant to the, to the entire business. So um, that, that's super exciting. Where do you, where do you feel this, uh, this confidence maybe derives from? I mean, as someone looking from the outside in, the, the crypto space obviously had a very bearish period in 2019, but then became very bullish in 2020. So whilst Sorare, we're talking very positively about it today, there are some other hugely successful stories in the similar space. So there's a lot of money slushing around in general. Do you think if this market had been, you know, hadn't taken off as fast as it had in the last 12 months, do you think Sorare would have still stood out head and shoulders above perhaps many of the others? Uh, or do you contribute some of this, uh, you know, extra liquidity on the primary and secondary market through success stories and, you know, recycling of money for, from other, you know, crypto environments? I mean, I think that's a it's, a, it's a fair question to ask. And I think that Sorare will still need to nail this mainstream adoption and make it accessible for hundreds of millions of users. And I think that uh, Nicola has always been very, very transparent in the Discord channels and, and also on Twitter and, and, and also been informing the community a lot about the uh, uh, initiatives that the team undertakes in order to address these, 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 these points. Um, however, I think if you just watch the underlying trend of a decentralized internet, let's start with Bitcoin in you know a decade ago plus. I think that there there has been a, a huge belief and trust into a decentralized financial system, and this has created a, a community of of people around the world in the tens of millions of people who just got to understand what the advantages are of a blockchain and. I think then with Ethereum starting in, in 2015 and, and, and making uh, the Bitcoin programmable, so to say, in, in, in easy language, I think that there was from the very beginning a lot of people who just understood what, what this means. And then with, you know, then this continued with the DeFi hype and, and, and now the NFT hype. I think there is just a large enough community of, of people around the world already who understand the magic of, of the blockchain and who understand the magic of non-fungible tokens. So... Um, I, I guess that with all the, you know, there's obviously a mega trend happening with like the, the zero interest rate policies that 
just make it uh, uh, a lot harder for people to yield returns in, in classical public markets and in classical portfolios, which is why a lot of people are just moving their assets towards crypto and, and alternative assets like Bitcoin. Um, so there is a hype that that certainly gives it a, a different and, and, and some momentum. But I still think that Sorare, uh, the, the standalone Sorare case is still super appealing because it is not only addressing crypto investors, but also collectors and, and most dominantly fans around the world. And fantasy football itself is just, you know, a $20 billion market and it's just gigantic. And I think this combination of fantasy football, digital collectibles via the blockchain, I think that that's the magic that's happening here. So regardless of the momentum on the crypto markets and, and regardless of the zeroist interest policies, I think Soraya would still have a very, very, very propelling value proposition. I'm really fairly convinced that uh, they would have been growing in, in other times too. Yeah, I really enjoyed that answer. Yeah, I think uh, from where they are at the moment in terms of the, the user base still being in its infancy to, you know, as you said, where Nicholas's North Star is, you know, adamant that we're they're going to reach the mainstream market and, and take on mass adoption in the terms of you know hundreds of thousands which will be you know hundred thousand fold where we are today hundreds of millions <laughs> yeah i mean do you, do you think that Sarah needs to try to not detach itself but uh, be less known as a crypto-based company, or do you think they can achieve this mass adoption while still having that crypto tag, you know, associated with them? I mean, that's a great question. Um, and I think that we have to answer this question in five years from now. If if crypto actually accelerates in, in its adoption and in the in the sentiment, in the mindset of people, I think it's fair if, if there's always a crypto element that can be seen. But maybe there's a time where people are just still a little bit uh, shy with regards to crypto and maybe the mainstream does not yet feel like that it needs to be adopted. So I think helping those customers and those uh, those fans around the world and the community to uh, still enjoy the game without um, having to interact with the blockchain too much, but with all the same features, I think is just something from a user experience point of view that makes a ton of sense. Saying that, I think it's really a time element and a, and a question on, on how the, the overall crypto theme and sentiment is going to develop. Um, and it is most likely just going to take a bit more time. I completely uh, agree with that. I think that the, it will take time. I, personally, I think cryptocurrency is here to stay. And what guys, uh, I don't think we, we know that yet. There's going to be lots of really successful currencies in, in this space. There's going to be lots of failures as well. So I think this space really develops over, over the next five years. But the point you touched on there, Christian, around the, the user experience, I think that takes over. So once you're actually in the game and playing it, the whole blockchain part and, and buying cryptocurrency isn't really part of it. You're lost in the playing the SO5 and buying players, trying to build up your lineups and, and the, re the rewards at the end of each game week. I think the UI that will eventually come. So although all these cards exist in the blockchain and there'll be some, some great ways of using them and, and really getting further utility from them if you want to, there'll also be a way for managers to maybe come into this game and not think about that too much. It'll all exist and they'll get the benefits from it, but the, the UI Will, will make it just a, a nice experience for them, really simple to understand, simple to pick up, adopt, and, and get involved with, and, and then you know, take take advantage of all the third-party sites that you are able to to move your cards around on and, and utilize, but without having to, to really yeah know the, the nuts and bolts of the, 
the blockchain system. And I sort of liken it to the, the SWIFT system we have today in financial markets. So as a, an end user transferring money to my friends or buying goods online, I don't really know. I need to know how the banks facilitate that in the background. It happens. There's lots of clever people who built that system up over, over time. And I think that is similar to, to what will happen in the blockchain space. We will see that develop and the end users will have a, a nice UI experience. They don't need to, to worry about all the, all the nuts and bolts. But because we're in, we are in the early days, these things are being developed, they're being built. So you're seeing almost like these, these machines being exposed. They're, they're still being exposed at this moment in time. They've not got their, their covers and their, their wraps on them at, at this stage. I don't know if that's a really bad analogy, but in my head, that's kind of how I see things. All right, I would 100% agree with what you said, 100%. Yeah, and I think, you know, just going back to my earliest memories of getting involved in crypto. Yeah, as you've just said there, Hybe, a lot of these things you have to fuddle out and find for yourself. Setting up a wallet for the first time, moving, you know, fiat into uh, your chosen cryptocurrency and then getting it into the location to transact and buy the goods or services that you wanted to do do it with. And the people that got involved in 2018 into Serer, it was almost like the blind leading the blind because you got these true football fans that had very little or, or zero zero crypto knowledge and then you had a hardcore group of people that had a lot of crypto knowledge it was almost a trade-off as well i'll help you with some football ideas and some football knowledge if you help me get some bloody money onto my account so i can actually buy these things i actually had a funny story myself with that like uh, i i mean i got all my ether stored on my on my on my ledger and my ledger was just not you know at my at my place when i was trying to buy the first cristiano ronaldo unique card so i actually texted nicola and, and adrian and asked them hey can you guys increase the credit card limit on the platform please because i have to buy, I have to buy with my credit card so that was actually really funny because i couldn't access my ether so oh wow so uh did the the final price of that one go above and beyond your limit or was that something which was that one that got away from you that, that, that was an early one actually and i think i i continued uh I, this was at a time it must have been I think maybe June or, or July 2020. And I was betting up to like 15,000 euro, I think, but somebody bought it then for like a bit more. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I missed it, unfortunately. It would have been a great deal. Yeah, it would have been. Is he, is he playing for your team? Who do you support? So Christian, who's your uh, team in real life? Uh, like, uh, I, I support Nicola and Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, no I'm, I, I, I think, you know, like uh, I, I've been always a, a, a quiet observer from, from, from the outside. Um, I've been playing a lot of soccer myself, but I'm um, not, not really a big fan of any like particular club. No, well, that might be the might be the uh, the most cost effective way to play the game because if you do have a, uh, a serious fandom towards a particular team or player, yeah, it could get quite expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a bit of fandom towards particular players, of course, right? But um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep my my thoughts together. It's hard on this game. It does get get addictive, doesn't it? You yeah, I, I feel like I want to own them all. But we we touched you touched there on that Ronaldo from the last season so the, the first Ronaldo unique I think that probably takes us into the next section looking at this Ronaldo 2020-21 that just broke a, a record there so Mark I don't know if you want to you've been speaking to a, a lot of the, the managers well the, the managers involved in this do you want to touch on this 
Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, uh, uh, Camembert is, is someone that I've recently started to get to know. So, um, yeah, he's, he's he's a great character. He's in uh, the Blackpool Discord channel. And, uh, yeah, he's just super proud new owner. And uh, he's been dropping in snippets from other uh, NFT metaverses. And he's getting involved in art a lot as well. Uh, I know he knows a lot about Topshot also. He is open for us to, uh, to, to, to give some questions to. It was a bit short notice this week but he did uh, share a, a statement which we can uh, share in this cast and if anyone's got any follow-up questions for him we've got a direct line of access uh, he's very happy to to express himself a little bit more but he told us that 99% of people probably think it's stupid to spend so much on something you cannot touch my parents don't get it and think I'm a bit crazy when I was a kid I used to collect panini cards but this is a far better version you can see it as a collectible and also play with the cards and get rewards. Furthermore, you can easily sell them back to anyone in the world instantly. I would personally never buy a Picasso, but I was very happy to invest uh, 290,000 US dollars in my idol. Teenagers spend more than seven hours a day on the screen, so it seems natural that younger generations want to collect things online. Cristiano Ronaldo has five Ballon d'Ors, is the first football billionaire. He's won five Champions Leagues and owns the largest Instagram account in the world with 270 million followers. He's also an example of discipline and, it'll be, and will be a football legend forever. Purchase was not motivated by speculation. I do not plan to sell anytime soon. For me, Cristiano is priceless. So again, thank you, Cameron Bear. And, and, you know, it's got multiple communities, not just the Surreal community talking. This has now gone, you know, topped the, the record sale at NBA Top Shot, although we know that uh, people have been turning down larger transaction values for uh, NFTs they own. But right now, in the world of sports cards, both physically and digitally, this is uh, a record sale. It was huge, wasn't it? Massive price there. So we've seen... The price is creeping up on, on these big, unique auctions. But this wasn't a, an auction. This was a, a secondary market sale, wasn't it? So Victor picked this up a, a couple of months ago for a, a fairly su substantial amount at the time. It was one of the, the big auctions at the time as this platform has grown. But as you see, with more and more managers coming in from these other spaces like Topshot and, and these other NFT environments, yeah, we're, we're starting to see the, the really valuable players well, I think if you just look at, he's just explained it there. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got the, the Messi-Ronaldo debate that will obviously go on for ages and ages, similar to, you know, Pelé and Maradona. Now, I think this is where we're starting to see the scarcity come into effect. You know, for the first 18 months of Sorare, you know, we've been going along in the hundreds and then up to the thousands of, of users that have a, an NFT in their wallet. Uh, we're still only at, what, eight to 10,000, maybe a little bit more now that have, you know, a minimum of one Sorare card in their wallets and you would expect that for every thousand managers that come onto the platform you've got to think that 30 40 percent of them probably like Ronaldo probably like Maradona probably like Messi you know even if they're flirting with football in real life and they're not you know a fan of a particular team you know someone who believes in collectibles and someone who thinks you know this space is going places I, I need to get involved in something it's not difficult to understand that you know a large percentage of new followers will probably come onto Sorare and start typing in Ronaldo and see what comes up. When they realise that there is only one unique Ronaldo per season, even if he carries on for another two or three years, you know, in half a decade's time, in a decade's time, we'll look back and there'll probably be five unique Ronaldos. And at that point, how many people are going to be playing the game? 
Who knows? Something I mean, like uh, when when the first unique Mbappe card was was sold, like a friend of mine actually bought it, and I asked him, "Hey, wh why why did you pay so much money for it?" And he said that this is the first ever issued unique card of one of the best football players on earth, and he's probably because he's just at the beginning of his twenties, going to be in this industry for 10 plus more years and be one of the greatest soccer players of all time so in hindsight this will be a cheap this will be a cheap deal i agree i, I gen I, I know this sounds crazy right now but i genuinely see that card being worth eight figures at some point i agree gen with that. yeah eight figures at some point genuinely the utility is massive this thing has still to, to grow and when you've got someone who has potentially at that level 15 plus years it's crazy. I, I, I really wish <laughs> I had taken my money out of football index and got involved in some of those those uniques back then. But, but when, when you look at it, combining the scarcity, and I think this week it's also worth flagging up that uh, we had a winner of a super rare Mbappe this week. So Seguin uh, does a lot of work for the community, does the YouTube videos, the player of the month and uh, is, is really active. Uh, in in yeah in, in in the main Serie community, you know his team was able to win him a super rare Mbappe this week, which if we go just on the last auction price, uh, is is around a hundred thousand dollars. So you know you it's can crazy. start thinking right, I've got something <laughs> scarce here, but if I build a team of things that can go on to win me something, you know we've still yet to unlock Barcelona, Dortmund, AC Milan, and, and you know many many other big teams. Uh, even Everton haven't come onto the platform yet. Wait till they come on; Whew, they'll be huge. Hmm. Um, so just you know, to cut in there, Mark, what you saying there about Seguin winning the the super rare? Is that there was another manager this week? I think deserves a, a call out, and that's Tom C. Who have had on the pod before and he won a, a rare Mbappe. Crazy enough, he, he actually just sold the, the rare Mbappe he picked up a month or, or so beforehand for about £12,000, managed to reinvest that into a, a squad of players that were going to enhance his ability to potentially win back another Mbappe. And I think it was something crazy, like 23 days later, he did. Now that is that is incredible as well, and really there's, there's there's lots of great success stories. You know, there's the people that come in and you know, bulling a china shop, buying all the big brand names and from the biggest teams possible. You know, even you know, jokingly, Gary Vay, for example, he's come in, bam, he's gone Mbappe, bam, he's gone Jao Felix. You know, I don't think he's got a defender yet or a goalkeeper, so he he hasn't got the ability to unlock more prizes through what he's owned. Admittedly, he's done very well on, you know, capital appreciation. The fact that he's bought in before, you know, the next jump up. But when you look at the scarcity combined with, you know, the the utility that you touched on, you know, at the very top of the show, Christian, it's quite scary now. Because if you're thinking in the future, I want to win a super air Messi, or I want to win a super air Haaland, or I want to win a super air Ibrahimovic, or whoever your favourite player is from a team that's yet to come onto the platform. To do that, you've got to be in at least Division 2, if not Division 1. So, yeah, you can, you can fight around Division 4, Division 3. You might win a, a rare version of these cards. Fantastic. But there are managers now that are already planning ahead. And you might think, oh, that's a huge premium to pay for that player or not. But there is a, these are all little parts of a jigsaw for many people that when they get that team of five right, there is, you know, a massive lottery that you can win out of uh, the utility of these cards now. And I think when people start to twig, geez, OK, right, well, I'm paying. What part of the card are you paying for the premium of, of the collector side of it? And what part are you paying for the utility? And I think people are now starting to put more emphasis on both. They're paying a higher price because of the collector value. 
combined with the scarcity, but they're also going, wow, look at what this can win me. I need to apply a different premium now for the utility as well, which is why we're seeing, you know, the, the whole market take a shift up. I mean, these are these are these are some of the elements that will also be a play a very crucial role for 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 the for the roadmap of Soria, right? I mean, if you if you look into into the the, the hiring pipeline, Nicolas and Adrien are now like paying a lot of attention to bring on board a, a game economist, someone who who really understands game design, but also understands game economy, because many of the things that you're describing here are, are, are again coming back to the user experience and and the gameplay itself so you have to make sure that um it, it the, the game remains fun right i mean you you, you still have to as you, you said this earlier, Grant, like that when, when you said that uh, you, you just have to come back, right? You're, you're addicted to the game. You, you just love playing it. So, and, and, and this magic, you, you have to make sure that this remains. So, and then let me ask you a question. Like what, what would actually, when would you lose your, your, your addiction? When would you lose your fun playing the game? What would be a, a reason for that? What could trigger it? For, for me, I think it's not being able to compete in a, a game week. So feeling that you, you have a chance um, and I think we are starting to, to see with the, the increase in managers looking at today's volume, we've got over 11,000 managers with one or more rare cards. 30 days ago, it was under 5,000. So we've seen the, the platform volume double potentially in a, in, a, in a month's time there. I think the ability to compete and to start to, to earn rewards is really exciting. But lots of different people are playing this for different reasons there's people who are, are really interested in this from the nft perspective and are looking to to build this for the future those are all about the gameplay and the, and the week-to-week excitement i think there's so many different perspectives on the game that it will be different for for different pockets for me though it has to be engaging something that you want to come back to on a, a regular basis a day-to-day basis so you, know, you have the the market there's lots of new players coming on new clubs being being signed those are, are really exciting once you have all 20 leagues and, and all the clubs on everyone's been playing this for for three or four years i think you'll you lose that element a little bit but that's a long, long way away. I think you've got an organic element of excitement from new players and new auctions that people don't own. There's most of the players on the platform. I, I don't know what the, the maximum um, amount of cards in any one player is at, at this moment in time, but it's a couple of hundred at, at, at the max. Some players have got you know, dozens of cards available for them at this stage. So the ability to still build your collection, I'm still in the, the very, very early days of, of my collection, I think, on this platform. Maybe I've said it before, but it feels like maybe 10, 20% of what I hope to eventually own. I want to have players from, from all different leagues. I see the future of this as, as being massive. There's, there's going to be the ability, we already see it, we've got all these different regions in the SO5, but we've talked about it a lot in the past, opening up SO11s, and we have it with all the, the third-party providers as well. There's huge amounts of utility for potentially having lots of cards, and that's not for everyone, but that's, for, for me, that's what's exciting about it. Being able to build up squads, looking looking at building up teams for, for the European Championships, for the future World Cup, Look, even looking ahead to USA 2026. I'm, I'm in certain chats where people are genuinely discussing what players are going to make that America team 
for 2026. This is five years away. This is mm. the this is what Surrey is giving people. And I think you talked about getting the millions on. That's that's necessary. And how the team do that is really important. You also touched upon the the game economist, and that for me, Nicholas has talked about this for for six months. This is the one of the most important decisions they make, getting that higher right, and they know that. And that for me was something that gave me great confidence in the team and its future. The fact that they understood at an early stage that this thing is so complex, and to grow it is very very complex. And so you need to have those expertise some that game designer that game economist with previous proven experience who can come in and, and help us help us grow this and there's going to be roadblocks uh, along the way uh, isn't there so anything that grows at such scale will will have hurdles but i think they're doing things in the right way that they can overcome those hurdles i think for me personally it's it's continuing to listen to the community which has always i think been one of their if not greatest strengths i've been in environments whereby you can see game developers you know building games that they think their community or users want to play and that's and and i've seen games fail whereas you can see with sarah yes they've got their north star and you know they, they know what they're looking to build but at each step of the way, they're taking a temperature check with, that, with the community and they're making sure that what they're actually building is actually what their users want to play. And that is reciprocated by the amount of pro bono work that the community does in terms of, you know, the heavy users that spend considerable time in the game, but also spend their time helping others enter the game or providing a service or providing just helpful tips, advice or whatever it happens to be to make others feel more comfortable about their decisions as well. So I think it's a massive trickle down effect from Nicholas and the team leading from the front, understanding, appreciating, respecting, listening, you know, taking on board all of the weird and wonderful contributions that we volunteer forward and then them taking that and going, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. So there's nothing more infuriating if you're waking up and you're playing a game and you and you and you disagree with the direction that the, the game is going. It's like, oh, why did you build that? Or you know, why are we now doing this? Or why are we going in this direction? Okay, if you might disagree with certain things, but if the majority of users want it and have called for it and then it gets implemented, fantastic. You're going to run with it. But if uh, a game company decides to start implementing things going against the grain of what the community really wants then I think you see the community start to dry up and go, well, I'd rather be spending my time somewhere else. And then you, you could perhaps see things going a little bit uh, downhill. But I don't see that happening with Surreal because I say every step of the way is a temperature check, you know, and, and, and even if they get something and they overshoot something or undershoot something, it gets thrashed out and the next iteration looks to uh, it looks to improve and uh, take it to another level again. I mean, what, what you just mentioned on the community is obviously also something that we from the investment side see as a very very fascinating dynamic because it, it's almost symbiotic, right? I mean, Nicolas needs the community and, and the community needs, needs Nicolas. And it's, it's fascinating to see how this relationship is making the company even stronger over time. And, and I mean, we are discussing many of those uh, discussions from Discord and, and what's going on in the community in the board meetings even, because we, we have to listen to what the community is thinking and, and how the community perceives the game. And Nicolas is, is, is so driven to, to, to actually be close to, to the community and understand what, uh, what's happening. So 
I, I think that's that's something very unique too if you compare it to many other companies in, in, in the world because it's just creating uh, so much value and, and look at this podcast here. I mean, you guys hosting this podcast and, and talking about the game, talking about product releases, talking about different things that that makes Sorare so great. And then there's many other projects like Sorare Data and you know many other things happening on Twitter. And and I think this ecosystem and this community is just so powerful that you know I I have not seen something like that in, in any other company before. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's growing in every every place, isn't it? So there's podcasts every in language. Spain and exactly and France and. In Russia, there's there's great content providers everywhere, and it's it's amazing to see. And so far, everyone's encouraging each other, helping each other, and it's a, a real community spirit. Because I think everyone who's on board at this moment sees the potential for it and knows that it's still very early. There's a lot of other people, new managers coming on on a day-to-day basis that by helping them, that's getting another 10 or 100 managers in their sphere on and helping this game get to to where we want it to be. So yeah, it's great to see. I agree. So what are the next steps for uh, yourself and the relationship with Sarah? Are you now, you know, you, you say you've got your board meetings, you've got, uh, you know, the, the responsibilities of the, the relationship between you as the financer and, and, and Nicola as the recipient of your uh, of your initial check. But how does how does the relationship continue to grow with Nicholas now also taking on, you know, new seed round capital from other locations and the footballers coming in and pledging, you know, amounts to uh, to support the game as well. I mean, Nicola has, uh, from the very beginning, been such a an incredible entrepreneur that um, the good news is that it, it is probably a very easy job for me to be an investor in Nicola and Adrien because they just simply know what they are doing. And sometimes I even feel like that it is my duty not to get in his way, but uh, just let him do what he needs to do and make sure that uh, he, he has enough enough bandwidth and capacity to to focus on the priorities like hiring as i mentioned earlier bringing on board a game economist and you know hiring a vp product etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think that bringing benchmark capital on board as the the lead investor for the just recent series a round is just another proof point that uh, Nicolas is on, on, on the right track and that he's doing uh, a phenomenal job. And I think it's it's just great that we have an opportunity to bring on board uh, so many amazing people with, with so many amazing different backgrounds. Um, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk earlier, but but also Oliver Bierhoff and, and Rio Ferdinand, who just recently did a video together on Sorare, as well as uh, Juan Griezmann from France, uh, Gérard Piquet, obviously. Um, I mean, it's, it's 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 just so... Don't forget, and, don't forget the one before them, Sherlock was, 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 was before all of those, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Andre actually, Andre Andre is a good friend. He we, we, we met through So Rare and he became a good friend. And he, Andre actually invested in the same round as, as we did. Um, so he was he was definitely one of the earlier guys. Uh, I, I have to give him these kudos. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's great that the, the the different worlds are are overlapping here. It's it's this venture capital world. It's the soccer world. It's it's the product and gaming world, and and all of these worlds are coming together. And and I think that's the magic and the beauty about the the company that we 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 have a once in a lifetime opportunity to assemble a an all star team to 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 get this company vision of Nicolas and and Adrian's to to life. And I think to me, I mean, not many things will change. I'm I'm trying 
trying to be a, a humble servant to, to Nicola and Adrien as much as I can and, and try to, to, to support them wherever I can. And, and at the same time, obviously, fulfill the fiduciary responsibility that I have. But um, the, the main focus is really uh, working very, very closely with, with Nicola and Adrien, making sure that we can help them um, build, build a multi, 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 multi billion dollar company here. Sounds good. Okay, well, look, Christian, that's, you know, it's, it's been amazing to hear your insights. And uh, I think on behalf of everyone playing Sarah, I think it'd only be right to thank you for taking that leap of faith uh, with Nicholas and Adrian uh, back in the day, because without your injection of capital, or maybe it's unfair to say that, but with your injection of capital started, you know, you know, a fantastic chapter. And I know that uh, you are well recognized as an expert for entrepreneurship and feature regularly in international media outlets, such as the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg and Handel's Black German. Uh, number one newspaper so I think hopefully everyone today will really value the insights and uh, feedback and an input that you've given to the pod and uh, yeah if we get any follow-up questions we'll, we'll pose them to you yeah thank you very much guys for for bringing me in here um, I, I can only return what you just said, uh, Mark. I, I think that even before we injected the capital, you guys injected your belief in, in, in the Soraya vision. And this is why this, this community is so awesome. And it was really a pleasure and uh, an honor to be here with you guys. And I hope that we will have an opportunity to chat in the future again. And I, yeah, I, I will be a fan of this podcast for sure. We definitely will. No, it's been been our pleasure. Thank you, Christian. I'm sure our listeners are, are going to love Thank some of the insight much, here. Thanks again, Christian. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Right. So let's get back to some regular action. What have we got? Game week 152, is it? It is. It is. Double check myself here. Um, All I know from uh, a few direct messages I've received today is that the Inter Milan game is off. I'm 99.9% certain of that. Certainly by tomorrow morning when this goes out and you're listening to it, we'll uh, know whether that's true. But yeah, Inter Milan looks like there's a couple of COVID cases. Handanovic uh, was a high profile one and a couple of others today. And I think they've uh, requested that be then postponed. So uh, no Inter, no Lukaku, no uh, Martinez, no Barella. Some big names will be missing this week. Yeah, there's loads of choices this week. I've made a, a couple of purchases, a couple of Joes from, from Sporting, a Mario and a Paulina. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of good games, isn't there? So within or off, it's going to be that UV Benevento. We've obviously got the, the big weekly special. So yeah, I've, I've not looked too much, um, but I think I'm going to have you know, Mancini's in, in there. I'm probably going to have quite a few Napoli players in there. Napoli-Roma? That's a coin flip, isn't it, that one? Yeah, I think Mancini seems to do okay regardless. He can, can ship a couple of goals and he, he seems to... Still putting a score, so I think we'll, we'll have a have a look. We've got different options, but because there's so many, all the leagues are back. I'm finding I'm having to to balance my lineup. So I've got my, my under 23s, my challenger, my, my champion, and then then global. So the way I normally approach it is I'll I'll go through the the list. I'll, I'll look at what keepers I have available. I'll go into the under 23, see how how that's looking, how many super rares I've got available and from there I'm able to see okay how am I going to approach this am I going to even bother with division two am I going to focus on division two and maybe not put a division three lineup in or do I have enough cover to to do division four division three and a champion in global division two there as well so that's kind of my process and it just depends on on the players available for the day but yeah I seem to have if I was just to focus on global Division four and division three. I think I could put in some some really good 
performances. And I think a lot of the problem comes with trying to spread that out and trying to get as many lineups in as possible. Yeah, I, I think everyone's collection is so unique to themselves that, you know, sometimes when we talk about the fixtures, you know, it probably doesn't make a great deal of difference to everyone because people might have a, you know, a focus or a bias towards a particular game and they just, you know, put the players that are congregated in those teams and, and you know, and fingers crossed. I mean, looking at the French games, you know, I know it's a significant weekend uh, for uh, our good friends Zoraw. Lille at home to Nimes, whilst Leon are uh, playing PSG. So it could be a huge week for uh, Lille card holders if they don't choke it and can yep. get three points. Jonathan, David and co may be back in the team. And I guess they, ideally they want PSG and Leon to, uh, to to share the spoils and get a draw uh, to enhance their uh, title hopes. So that'll be a, a really interesting to, want to watch as well, especially after uh, PSG's home loss to uh, Nantes last week. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect that to be a, a feisty one. I can see a draw there. 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, something like that. It is the, the Bayern weekly Bayern special. favourites at home to Stuttgart? Yeah, easy, easy that one. Yes. And then how many goals will Schalke concede? Schalke 0-4. Schalke, that sounds, sounds about right. Schalke nil. And so, yeah, just touching on that weekly special. So that is the, the Leon PSG game. So only League One players eligible and the top prize off a, an AUR special edition. Arr! No, well, I think uh, I think my luck might come to the end in the weekly challenges. Uh, managed to sneak the Osserman last week, so super happy with him. So yeah, I think the weekly challenges now. I mean, the incentive to 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 win it is 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 huge. So yeah, lot, lots going on, uh, and you've got all the the Americas as well. K League's only got six fixtures. The J League got a full fixture there, but just check for. Or any call-offs. Has Gambrosaka still got one more week off? Maybe. Double-check that one. I think they might just have one more week uh, where they're not playing. Uh, so you can stack up their uh, cards for uh, future use. That's it. But yeah, it's all systems go again this week. So good luck, guys. Get your teams in. You've got... Yeah, Sarah Data, Sarah Mega. Uh, anything else I've forgotten? There's probably a few others as well. And uh, the Ubisoft... Oh, the Ubisoft one-shot league. Yeah, how could I forget that one? Yeah, second week of that one, isn't it? And I'm, I'm sure in future we'll have 10 or 12 of these to, to rattle off at the end of each of these shows. But yeah, good luck, guys, and hopefully we'll see more people winning huge prizes like Segwin did this week. So that brings us to the end of today's Surreal Global Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope you found it useful. And as always, if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept to more users. See you next time. Thank you.